Lord, our Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in a secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. the beginning of the great fast and so our mother the church prepares for us this reading from the gospel of saint matthew about prayer about fasting about almsgiving and about forgiveness these are the virtues that we are looking to build as pillars in our spiritual lives over the time period of lent over the next two months or so and i really uh, can't emphasize enough how much of an opportunity and how much it is a gift from god to have this period of time for us to spend in intentional and specific spiritual effort. Many of us who are born 
into the Orthodox faith, speak in ways sometimes that make it sound like we are dreading the season or following the fast sort of begrudgingly. We say things like, oh, is the fast starting already? Or I thought I had more time? Or, okay, if the fast starts today, how long will the Apostles' fast be? And I know that some of those comments are made sort of as jokes, but it's important for us to recognize the great opportunity that we have over the next coming months to grow in leaps and bounds in our spiritual lives. The Church has given us the opportunity to focus specifically on these four things during this time. They were also the focus of our Lord Jesus Christ when He spoke to the Pharisees in the passage this morning. He warns them mostly today about doing things to be seen by people. And at first, if you read this, it sort of seems like it's in contradiction to what we read in the Gospel of the sixth hour of the prayer book of hours of the Agbeya. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But actually this is not a contradiction at all. In the passage today, our Lord Jesus Christ is prohibiting religious devotion that is done publicly for the means of self-glorification. Whereas in the previous statement, He is commanding that good works be done so that God would be glorified. What our Lord Jesus Christ is saying is, everything we do is supposed to give God glory, not ourselves. It's supposed to call attention to God and His kingdom, not call attention to ourselves. Our Lord Jesus Christ is reiterating a common theme in His ministry, that is sort of remembering my real motivation, dealing with the hidden thoughts of the heart. He's just as concerned with our motivation behind a deed as with the deed itself. Throughout the Gospels, when we read the Gospels, there seems to be sort of a, a big appetite for, on the, part, on the part of the Pharisees, a big appetite for uh, public recognition. For example, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, it says, they love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. And after they tried to kill our Lord Jesus Christ because of accusing Him of blasphemy, He asks, How can you believe or receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? And later on in the Gospel of St. John, He comments, our Lord, uh, St. John comments that the reason they didn't believe is because they feared losing their prestige and honor in the synagogue. He says, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And while it's easy for us to look at this and to read these passages and to criticize the Pharisees, the reality is they're not very much different than we are. We all have a desire to be noticed, a desire to be valued, a desire to feel like we are important. But our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking especially today about having that desire transcend into our devotion to God. The Pharisees were turning their religious devotion towards God into a public performance. And we see this in two ways. First of all, our Lord Jesus Christ calls them today hypocrites. The word hypocrite in Greek was used actually to describe an act actors. In Greek plays, the, the actor would wear uh, masks to portray different emotions. Like if they're happy, they put on a happy mask. If they're sad, they put on a sad mask. In essence, they're hiding who they really are behind this mask, pretending to be someone that they are not. Actors even nowadays, I mean obviously they don't wear masks anymore, but in movies and in plays they do the same thing. They become someone other than who they really are in real life. And of course it's, it's fine and good in movies, but it's something to watch out for in our real lives. 
So by calling them hypocrites, our Lord Jesus Christ is saying that by their actions, they're assuming false identities. They're making themselves to be something that they're not. Many times people come to me, especially servants, when they come they say, Abuna, I don't feel comfortable, I cannot serve anymore, I'm a hypocrite. And I ask them why they think that they're hypocrites. And when they, they, they say, well, you know, for example, I give a talk to my kids about lying, and I lie. I want to be sort of very clear here. Hypocrisy is about pretending to be something you are not. If I give a sermon, or if I give a Sunday school lesson on lying, that does not mean I have never in my life fallen into the sin of lying. It does not mean I am a hypocrite. It means, like hypocrisy means, that I pretend to be something that I am not. My, my, my talk about lying should be a lesson to me first, to completely remove this sin from my life. The second important part that our Lord Jesus Christ says is they, they do these things to be seen by men. They want it to be seen by other people around them. In the Greek, the, the phrase to be seen is the same root word that we use that has, is the word now in English for theater. The Pharisees were actors giving performances on a stage. And they played these roles so well that they actually were deceiving themselves. Once we begin with a lie, it kind of perpetuates itself until we perceive it as the truth. This is the truth to us. They became actually so deceived that they believed they were acting in God's best interests. But in reality, they're practicing these deeds not for God, but for themselves or for men to be seen. They're pretenders hiding behind masks of religious practice so that no one would see them for what they actually are. Actually, it goes beyond just acting because of what they were doing. They were taking real holy things, devotions like almsgiving, prayer, fasting, turning them into a theatrical performance. So then all of these devotions then lost their meaning and their power, given up for the sole purpose of making these people to look good. And again, it's easy for us to look at these Pharisees and say, I can't believe they're doing this. But Christian hypocrisy is something very dangerous and something that we all have to fight against. It's being someone else Monday through Saturday than I am on Sunday. And unfortunately, Christian hypocrisy is one of the biggest excuses that people use sometimes not to attend church. They say, well, I don't want to go there. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I wouldn't go to church. But the reason there are hypocrites in church is because the church is nothing more than a gathering of sinful people worshipping the only being who has no sin. And you know, it's, it's interesting to me, it's amazing to me, the people that sort of say, I'm not going to go to church because of hypocrisy. They never allow hypocrisy from stopping them from doing other things. For example, you know, business is full of hypocrisy. But if I see a chance to make money, I wouldn't, it wouldn't stop them and say, like, well, I don't want to get involved in business because, you know, the world of business is full of hypocrisy. Society is, is full of hypocrites. But there aren't people who are sort of selling their homes to move to the mountains, become hermits, because the people in my neighborhood are hypocrites. Almost everything we're involved in has hypocrisy. And we are, at times, part of this hypocrisy. So, when, with this sort of in our minds, if, if we hate hypocrisy, then actually the church is where we should be. Why stay away from the one place, the one person, our Lord Jesus Christ, who can forgive us 
of the sin of hypocrisy and free us from the slavery of hypocrisy and give us eternal life where we can spend an eternity free from hypocrisy. So then to stay away from the church because of hypocrisy doesn't really make sense. But at the same time, for those of us in the church, when we remember the warning of Christ that if we cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for us for a millstone to be hung around our neck and cast into the sea, then we are should be very vigilant in ourselves to guard against the sin of hypocrisy. This is part of the reason why our mother of the church puts this passage here today. We are about to begin a number of religious devotions in Lent. And so the church is trying to teach you, if you do these things with the wrong attitude to be seen by men rather than to be seen by God, you're going to have your reward. He says, when you do the good works in order to be recognized, you've already gotten your reward and it's not going to be from God. The word actually that our Lord Jesus Christ uses for reward is sort of a technical or commercial term for like a sales transaction. By their public performance in these sort of religious devotions, they received like the transaction, the full sum of what they wanted, and sort of the people gave them back a receipt of recognition. In essence, they're buying their reward. For example, when they're giving alms, they weren't meeting the needs of the people as much as they were buying praise. Right? They're not giving to, buy, to, to meet needs of people. They're giving to buy praise. To receive the reward of God, our religious disciplines should be done quietly without fanfare. Shouldn't be done blowing our horns. If God has us feeding the homeless or fasting, whatever it may be, then we're not going to go around publicizing it or feeling superior. When we do our devotions, when we do our good deeds, we have to make sure we're doing it with the right attitude, with the right heart, with the right motives. Make sure everything that we're doing is glorifying God, and then God is going to reward us. The reward isn't something like earth-shattering. It's, it's a simple reward of, on earth, seeing a person's need met, or knowing that God heard our prayer, or knowing that we're not controlled by our appetites, but instead controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then, an eternal reward, laying up for ourselves treasure in heaven. And our Lord Jesus Christ shows us in these specific three things, or four things, uh, the, the, the devotions that He speaks about. He's, he talks first about almsgiving. Alms are sort of acts of, of, of giving in mercy. Alms is, by the way, different from tithes. Tithes are given to the temple, to, to, for the priests and for the church's upkeep. Alms were given to people to alleviate sort of their difficulties, to help them meet their needs. If they needed food, food was given, or money was given to buy food. If help was needed, help was given. What the Pharisees were doing was perverting this act of mercy and making it sort of into a circus event. Our Lord Jesus Christ shows us though, the, the opposite, the Christian way. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So not only are we not to tell others about what we do, I think that's the easy part. I think most of us understand that. Of course, if I give, I don't need to tell other people that I give. But actually, in sort of an unusual way, we're not supposed to even tell ourselves. You know, he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We're not supposed to be self-conscious about our giving. If we dwell on our good deeds, we could fall into the, the, the trap of self-congratulations. And then that soon is sort of going to deteriorate into a form of self-righteousness. So as soon as the gift is given, or the need is met, or the deed is done, forget about it. 
you know. Forget about it. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, one of the one of the deacons on one of the groups shared a, a nice video of Pope Shenouda that I I seen a few times before, but I, it was really nice. And he was it was a bishop actually speaking about Pope Shenouda. You know, actually we are commemorating the departure of Pope Shenouda in two weeks, March seventeenth. And the bishop was talking about a time where uh, the Pope told him, go and speak to this man and, and see what he needs. And the man needed money. And he gave him, I think, I can't remember the amount of money, but it was a, it was a relatively small amount of money, maybe $1,000 or $2,000, something like that. And he said he needs $2,000. And the bishop went to the Pope uh, and said he needs, he needs $2,000. Uh, should I give it to him or not? And he said, of course, give it to him. You shouldn't ask, shouldn't question. I told you, give him to whatever he needs. And so he gave it to him. And then uh, a few years later, he comes and he's uh, giving uh, a talk somewhere. And the same man comes to that same bishop and he says, do you remember me? And, and the bishop's like, yes. And he's kind of thinking maybe the guy's going to ask for more money. And he actually comes to him and he says, you know, I, I took this money from you and I needed it at this time. And I want to sort of repay you. Uh, can we give, I want to give the, the, the Pope uh, $25,000. Like he, he, had, he ended up doing well for himself and being okay and he gave him like a much bigger amount of money. And so the bishop goes to the Pope and he's like, this is what happened and uh, this man wants to give us this money for this thing. And the Pope had no clue what the bishop was talking about. He's like, I don't know who you're talking about, what man. And he's like, don't you know this man, he came, he was dressed like this and he came and he asked us for this money because it wasn't like a very usual thing. And the Pope's like, I have no idea what you're talking about but if the guy wants to give money, he should just give it to his church and we don't need any of his money. And if, if we do something good, it should be forgotten by us as soon as we do it. And it's a great lesson for us. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about today when He says, your left hand does not know what your right hand is doing. That even among in our own hearts, we forget the good deed that we do. We don't dwell on it. That's as far as almsgiving. In prayer, He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your fathers in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Standing and praying is a normal accepted practice. But our Lord Jesus Christ is literally talking about standing and praying in a way to be conspicuously seen by other people. Praying became for those people a sideshow event. It was done to get attention. It was done to show people how godly they were. When we pray, our Lord Jesus Christ says, we're to do it in private. He's not against, by the way, corporate prayer. Right now when we pray, here in the liturgy, we are not praying privately. There are plenty of examples of corporate prayer in the Bible. And we need to gather together for prayer. But in our personal time, our own personal time, we need to withdraw from others in order to get time alone with God. The room that our Lord Jesus Christ is sort of speaking about is our own inner room in our heart where our valuables and our, our treasures are kept. It's a beautiful picture of prayer. When we get our time alone with God, we have intimate communion with Him, He will reward us with treasures in our heart, things as peace, forgiveness, spiritual treasures. When He talks about fasting, He says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting. But your father who is in the secret place, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. 
when he talks about the, the, the Pharisees disfiguring their faces almost to become unrecognizable, what they would do is they would wear that sackcloth and have ashes on their faces and in their hair to show everyone that they are humbling themselves before God. And Allah Jesus Christ says, don't do that. Instead, anoint your head, wash your face. Today, you know, I would tell you like, take a shower, shave, comb your hair. When we fast, we want the attention of God, not the attention of men. Man is not our audience, God is. And actually, I think this is one that we can pay a little bit of extra attention to. For those of you that maybe do not plan to start fasting tomorrow, I encourage you to reconsider so that you can gain these virtues and these disciplines during this holy time in the church. But for those of you who are planning to fast, make it an exercise for yourself to notice how long when I'm fasting before I complain out loud about the food I eat or about how hungry I am or how long the fast is. Isn't this sort of the modern form of fasting with a sad countenance like the hypocrites? Instead, our struggles in fasting should be between us and God and may be shared with my spiritual father. I don't need to complain out loud. Complaining out loud is, is almost my way of disfiguring my face, making it known to everybody that I am fasting. It's important for us to pay attention to the fact also that in each of these spiritual practices, our Lord Jesus Christ says, when, He doesn't say if, our Lord Jesus Christ expects us to give, expects us to show mercy, expects us to pray, expects us to fast. And He also gives us instructions as to how it's supposed to be done. Don't do it publicly. Don't do it to see praise from men for it. And that's the whole point. We are all looking to please God, not to please man. If it's for man, I can sort of line my way through. But I cannot deceive God. I cannot deceive God the same way that I deceive man. Man looks at the outside. God looks inside and sees our hearts. And so then, because He sees our hearts, He sees our motivation. So let's do these religious practices to pray, to fast, to give alms, to have mercy on others as works of God. And then God will see our reward. And the greatest reward that we'll hear is when God says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm praying that this time in, in Lent is a, is, is a time for us really that we take seriously for our, our spiritual growth, that we take these pillars of, 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 of the fast, to pray, to give alms, to fast, to have mercy on people, so that we can, so that can really grow beneficially. You know that even our mother of the church, even in the rites of the church, reminds us of the fast starting today. You will notice like from, from actually from right after the sermon until, uh, until the end of Lent, we pray with Lenten tunes and, 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 and Lenten responses, things like that. Because the church is reminding us tomorrow is an important day to begin our fast in a strong way and in a spiritual way so that we can grow. May God bless and accept our fasts and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.